Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Hello, and welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. I'm Michelle Beck, and thanks for joining us today. I'm a two-time, nine-year woman impacted by breast cancer, and I'm the patient programs assistant at Breast Friends. And when I have time, not very often, I write at a blog called I Never Liked Pink. Before we get started with our badass guest today, I wanted to remind listeners out there that I do warrior stories. So if you would love your story to be on the show of inspiration, what helped you through your cancer journey or how your life has changed for the better, please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. Brain fade, cancer moment. Uh, (laughs) And also, I just wanted to give a couple shout outs to Shirley Smith in Ohio and Monique for Elk Grove. Thanks for tuning in. But today, I just, I'm so excited to have a a sister from another mister here with me today. Her name is Carrie Madrid. And she just, I, I found her on Instagram because, you know, that's how the world works now. That's how we find our, we find our, our partners in life. And Carrie is the president and co-founder of The Care Project, a nonprofit in Southern California, fellow podcast host at Handle with Care, Cancer and Beyond, and the co-author of a book, Handle with Care. And if you haven't caught on yet, all those things have care in her in the name because she's Carrie. I love that. I would do the same thing. Are you a Leo? Because I would do the same thing. (laughs) Um, But anyway, Carrie, thank you so much for being here today. And um, one of the things we'll definitely talk about is how she got through her journey. Um, Her tagline was basically laughter and lip gloss, because I'm sure she knows if we don't laugh, we're crying. And lip gloss makes everybody feel better. So Carrie, welcome today. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I love that you said this is how we find our partners on, is on Instagram. I'm like, can't wait, can I find one? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can. It'd be much, much better than dating sites. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a oh, whole other I, show. <laughs> I have I have randos follow me every day and I'm like, uh no, block, <laughs> block, block, because you know, I, I don't need your private messages. Thank you very much. Right, right. Yeah. Whole other <laughs> so, show, Michelle. Exactly. I had the I had the sex show a few weeks ago, so <laughs> I missed it. Um, But Carrie, thank you again for being here. And we have so many things to talk about, but let's just give a quick synopsis of what you went through, your your sucky journey that you turned into something fabulous. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been quite a ride. And and I will speak back to your point about Handle with Care. Just a fun fact. I actually didn't name our nonprofit The Care Project. My best friend, Christina Gonzalez, did. Nice. And because I'm sort of the visionary of the two mm-hmm. of us, I'm like, you know what? I have this big, bright idea and we should do X, Y, and Z. And she's like, oh, Lord. And then she's like, <laughs> okay, well, if we're going to do that, we got to do da-da-da. And what are we going to call it? I'm like, I don't know. Pick a name. That's kind of how I roll. And so mm-hmm. her and her daughter came up with Handle with Care because Care is my nickname from mm-hmm. my dad and my closest friends. And then the book came up the same way. And so it just kind of all rolled. And I thought, oh my God, someone probably thinks I'm a marketing genius and I'm so not. Well, you should totally own that because it works. Okay. I'm going with it. (laughs) Yep. That's the story and you're sticking to it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So now I know you were diagnosed, was it in 2000? Oh gosh. Tell me again. 2012. 2012, I had just turned 41 on January 5th. 
you know what? I, I was first diagnosed in 2012 at 41. So Wow. See, yeah. it was meant to be. Here's to us turning 50 this year. Right? Whoop, whoop. I'm 50 already, girl. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna me be too. 51 in January. <laughs> I can't wait. You know, yeah, I was I was um I was 40 when I was saying uh kind of to my creator, like, hey, what am I supposed to do with the last half of my life? Right. And um I was a single mom. I was divorced for many years and I worked two jobs for many years. And as and a single mom, you have to. Yeah, I did. And mm-hmm. then I ended up um, quitting that second job when I realized this is probably not good for my health. And I had a, a daughter in high school and one in junior high and my son had just gone off into the Air Force. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I've, I've got to not work this hard. And so I started um, working at the high school, at, uh, volunteering as the booster president for their girls basketball program. So before I went to the school every day, I tried to keep in shape by walking around a local mountain. And I was mm-hmm. walking around going, okay, God, what am I going to do with the last half of my life? Because raising money for high school kids is cool and great for a time, but I'm not going to do this forever. And my yeah. life had become like literally consumed with high school basketball. And it was two weeks later, I rolled over in bed and found two tumors. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of not what this I had in mind. not exactly <laughs> the answer that I was hoping for. <laughs> right. You know, and honestly, I've, I have a very similar story. I was actually diagnosed twice. The first time was um, similar to Aunt Helen's story, I think. I was just listening to the Winings uh, episode with your aunties, which is amazing. Um, I had a lumpectomy radiation and I moved on. Four years later, I had a new primary in my other breast. And at that point, I had kind of been experiencing the like, what do I do with my life? Because Mm -hmm. I had been a stay-at-home mom for a few years before that, I had a, a big career um, and was great at my job, but I was like, what am I going to do now? And then cancer. Yeah. yeah. So, but, you know, we've turned it into these amazing things. And yeah. I'm so grateful to, to have that chance because, of course, I wish I didn't have cancer, but I've taken it and as you have and just run with it. Yeah. You know, uh, it's funny. I'm, I'm, I've been asked the question several times, you know, if you could turn back the hands of time and save yourself from being diagnosed, would you? And I can honestly answer that without hesitation, no, because I really believe that in life leading up to my diagnosis, I was in survival mode from a very young age until that age of diagnosis. And once I got through active treatment, I truly began living my life. So I wouldn't take it back. 100%. 100%. It makes you reevaluate everything. Mm-hmm. Are you living your true authentic self? Right. And is what I'm doing every day making a difference other than just getting food on the table and making sure your kids are happy and healthy, which God, that's hard. <laughs> but just that's and- key for me. Everything I do, I have to feel, and I say it's just the way I'm wired. I, mm-hmm. I have to feel like I'm making a difference. If I'm a file clerk, I need to know like I'm making a difference to that company. You know, if I'm in the basketball program at school, no, I'm going to run it because I need to know that those kids are fed and they have good uniform. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm the same way. Yeah. I, my son is in fifth grade now. I have older stepkids, but, and every year I've been 100% involved with the school. I run help with two friends run the ambassador program now for the fifth graders. And literally, I'm at school every day right now mm-hmm. um, because I, I want to be there. I want to experience all these things. And I was the Cub Scout leader and, you know, just all the things, right? All the things because, yeah. Yeah, he is my life, you know, my husband, obviously, but that the love you have for your kids and just wanting them to experience life is just amazing. Yeah, for sure. So let's, um, so you had 
stage three, 2012, what mm-hmm. was your treatment plan? What, 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 what hell did you go through that year? Well, so the day I got my results, I, um, they, I actually had two different types of cancer. So I had two tumors. Lucky you. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I was with my best friend, my other best friend, Lupe at the time, Kate was down visiting from the Bay Area and she went, happened to go with me to the surgeon. And I said to her, okay, look, as long as he doesn't say infiltrating ductal, we're good. So the first thing he said is, well, the big one, infiltrating ductal. Infiltrate ductal. I was like, oh, crap. And then the smaller one was um, DCIS. Okay. And mm-hmm. so um, it, after I initially, well, let me say this. This is chemo brain. Uh, mm-hmm. so as I left that office, we negotiated a surgery date because it was obvious I had to have a mastectomy immediately. Right. Um, it was d- determined to be systemic, meaning two different types, two different, very different areas of the breast. And mm-hmm. so he's like, can you come in in three days? I was like, no, my basketball team's in playoffs. We're going to state. He was like, yeah, this is a little important. <laughs> I said, yeah, no, I'm working snack bar that day and it's senior night. So no, we're not. So Long story short, 10 days later, I had a single mastectomy. Um, I had said to him, can you just take both? I think I'll feel better if you just take both. And he Mm -hmm. said, listen, you've already had a reduction. So nine years prior, I'd had a breast Mm -hmm. reduction. He goes, I have to work around a set of scars already. I'm the general surgeon. My job is to cut out the cancer. You're 40. You'll have breast reconstruction. Let's let the plastic surgeon make it pretty. Now I'm in a fog because remember, he just told me I have cancer. Right. You're in survival mode. You can't process anything. And nothing we, we, we trust time. our doctors and we're like bobbleheads. We're like, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was the sweetest, kindest, most compassionate surgeon. He was the chief of surgery where I was treated. And so I felt a complete peace about it. And I just went, okay. So 10 days later, I had a single mastectomy. About three or four weeks later, I began um, what they said to me was the harshest treatment regimen at that time. It was all three drugs all at once, once every three weeks times Mm -hmm. six. So I had six treatments of chemo and then a month off of that and five weeks of radiation. And then they said, go home and heal and we'll see you in a few months and do blood work. And maybe in about a year you can start reconstruction. So that was the, the throw the indoctrination into breast cancer land. It's like a bomb just goes off in your life. Yeah. And, and, you know, I hadn't known anybody other than my Auntie Helen, who, like you stated, was like stage zero one. She had a lumpectomy. She had a couple chemos and a couple radiation for good measure. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And so I just didn't know what I didn't know. And man, if, if, yeah. Oh, if only we could talk to ourselves I, 10 years I, yeah. ago. I love that you can finish my sentence because that's it, right? I mean, had I known somebody who'd been through it or an organization like mine or a network like the one you're part of, mm-hmm. we could have said, hey, this was just said to me. What do I need to consider before yeah. making all those decisions? Mm-hmm. Because my surgeon, well-intentioned, says, you're 40, you're going to have reconstruction. That, so I'm just like, oh, okay, I guess that's what you do. But looking back... I actually would have loved to have just stayed flat. I didn't know it was an option. Mm-hmm. So, well, and I'm going to, is your surgeon a male? Obviously. Yes, he um, was male. And, you know, I've, I've had great male doctors as well, but I think my, my surgeons um, were females both times and my plastic surgeon was a female. So I, they, I think they just see it from a different perspective. And now, especially, and yeah, it's, you know, almost 10 years out. 
being flat is much more of an option. And they're mm-hmm. doing so many different things. Like there's something new called the Goldilocks clothes and the, all the different things if people don't want to have the implants because they're not easy. I mean, they're yes. not easy and not everybody has implants right. or can you get know. them. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, yeah, we need all our options. Yeah. So it definitely, yeah. definitely important to talk about those things. And as hard as it is when you're diagnosed to be an advocate for yourself yeah. um, or make sure you take friends and family members with you who actually have some knowledge, because like you said, when you go in there, you're like, okay, you know, like, just yeah. tell me what to do. Yeah. <laughs> it, you're at their mercy in, in your mind. You're at their mercy because they're the expert. They're right? the doctor. They're the doctor. And we're not saying you shouldn't trust them, but we're saying you need to have a second set of ears and eyes on it. And somebody, I will interject and say somebody non-emotional, yes. somebody that loves you, yes, but can be, you know, compartmentalized, if you will, to really soak in the information, hear it and not freak out and then help you, dice, you know, dissect it, if you will. Mm-hmm. And you, um, I think it was during your reconstruction process, you had an infection that could have killed you. Absolutely. That was one of your, it was your very first podcast and we'll get to that. But um, tell me about that experience. And you had an angel named Vernon watching over you. Yeah, my friend Vern, he is like the brother from another mother. Um, he's kind of that friend that we always said, well, if neither of us get remarried at a certain age, we should just get married for the benefits and take care of one another <laughs> in the world. And boy, did he prove himself. Uh, I, yeah, so I had... Um, deep flap reconstruction, where when I went back in, um, they did honor my wishes of removing the right breast. Mm -hmm. And uh, they said, okay, if if that's going to make you feel better uh, and more at peace, we will remove that one, cut you hip to hip, take that free flap of skin, fat, and blood supply and transfer it to your chest wall. So visualize a Barbie, right? So you get breast mounds, no implants. They Mm -hmm. form breast mounds. It's microsurgery. It was 14 hours. Yeah, it was 14 hours, at least two surgeons tag teaming in and out. I'm like, wait, did you take a break? <laughs> did you get a nap? <laughs> did somewhere you go have there? lunch and coffee? <laughs> like, how do you stand there for 14 hours and, yeah. and make sure that I'm OK yeah, and that exactly. I'm going to be good when you're done? Right. So so I had this this crazy surgery and I was in the hospital for seven days. It was Ugh. miserable. They put you immediately into what they call a hot room, which keeps like your blood vessels open so that everything can heal. It's supposed to help your tissue transplant really take. And so I finally get home and I'm recovering. And again, I'm a single mom. My brother Mm -hmm. picked me up. He got me home, got me into a recliner. My teenagers were there and one was like 13, you know, one was 15. So again, they're not 17 and 18. They're still going to school every day. Right. And your your son's off in the Air Force. My son's over in Korea. Oh, gosh. So um, anyhow, I I didn't have a lot of help. Um, I didn't have the help I should have had. And I will say I didn't reach out for help because that's just who I am. Right. Right. Well, and you didn't know what you didn't know. And especially being a mom who takes care of everything, it is hard to ask for help. And you're just trying to keep it normal for the kids, right? Mm -hmm. You're trying to set the tone and be like, yeah, I'm cut hip to hip and armpit to armpit, but don't trip. (laughs) I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so what ends up happening is, of course, after I get discharged, I have a one week follow-up to go back and see the surgeon and have them check all the stitches and all that good stuff. So for the last three days before going to that appointment, I 
just slept nonstop. I had the chills. I didn't have any pain, but I didn't have the wherewithal to like check my temp or reach out for help. I just thought, okay, I had a major surgery. I'm healing. I'm, I'm healing. I'm resting, having no idea that infection is forming in your body. That's it. And then, um, so my friend Vern happened to be, he had, um, was transitioning in his job to a new one. And so he had about three weeks off. And so he says, Hey, I'll take you to your follow-up. And I was like, all right, cool. He came to pick me up. And when he picked me up, he said, Oh God, what's wrong with you? And I said, I think I'm getting the flu or something. I don't know. And I went to stand up out of my recliner and I had a horrific pain underneath the left breast where the tissue actually connected to the chest wall. So I get to the hospital, I have 106 fever or 105 point something, just about 106 fever. The doctor Mm -hmm. looks at him and says, take her to ER right now. And Vern goes, "Um, you're the doctor, we're at the hospital. What do you mean me take her? They're like, the nurse is going with you. So Mm -hmm. they're like, start giving her water. So they take me to ER, lie me flat on my back. I scream bloody murder because that's the first time I'd been laid flat. Because again, I'm cut hip to hip. And, and armpit we, to armpit. And we literally curl up in the fetal position all the time because we're protecting our wounds. Well, and, they had mm-hmm. to, they had me in a recliner. I couldn't yeah. stretch out yet. Right. So ER didn't really know what was happening yet. So they lined me back. Turns out the uh, incision had split open and Ugh. had a staph infection mm-hmm. and I was septic. So, you know, that Damn. started that journey of 11 days in ICU. Um, they said if... If you wouldn't have come in, you would be dead tonight in your recliner. Thank you, Vern. Yeah. Then. Vernon. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Vern. Um, I call him Vern. Yeah. Yeah. And so he took, he proceeded to take care of me after that. When I got home, he picked me up. I had to basically learn to walk again. I was so weak after just 11 days in ICU, flat on my back, mind you, pumped full of so much, so many oh. antibiotics that it caused this. And then you had to take more antibiotics. It's just a hot mess. Yes. Well, listeners out there, it goes to show a lot of bad shit can happen and then Absolutely. good things can come out of it. But we do need to take a break. So please stay with us. We have so much more to talk to Carrie about and um, we'll be back soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. 
you may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle Beck, and my guest today is Carrie Madrid, founder of The Care Project, a nonprofit who supports men and women going through breast cancer emotionally and financially. So Carrie, let's let's kind of dig into this a little bit because I know you were a single mom, three kids, two at home in high school, and teens are a rough time anyway. And you had said you really didn't know anyone who had gone through an experience like yours. You had your, your aunts. Um, but was it hard finding support? I imagine so emotional and financial support, because I, I'm guessing that that's where the care project stemmed from is the difficulty you had when you went through your treatment. Yeah. So that's a great question. I, I am very blessed that I had a very supportive family. And so immediately um, my dad stepped up and said, okay, uh, don't worry about co-pays. Don't worry about this because, you know, I lived on a very tight budget. I'm talking check to check and sometimes floating stuff, right? Yep. So the thought of, even though I have great insurance, um, there was all these co-pays, all the medications you have to take, you know, before you have chemo, after chemo, all that good Mm -hmm. stuff, the office visits. And so my dad said, don't worry about that. And he also came and and grabbed all my bills from credit cards I'd been using to pay for braces and school clothes and all -hmm. the things. And he paid all that stuff off for me. Um, But it's still, I was still, you know, this is a a long haul Mm -hmm. of a journey. This isn't just like three months of difficulty. So um, what I found is I made it through with a lot of help from family. But as I was in treatment centers and start networking with other patients online and in person, I realized that so many people didn't have the best insurance plan like I did. They didn't have family like I did. They didn't have a savings account. They didn't even have credit cards that they could use if they needed to, right? And so screw it, I'm going into debt, but I'm going to live. They didn't have that opportunity. So I looked at my best friend, Christina, who was a single mom of four daughters. So we had six daughters in their Mm -hmm. teens between us. And I said, oh my gosh, we got to do something. There are people choosing between a $100 copay for chemo or $100 in groceries for their teens. And so they're not having treatment because they got to feed their kids. And this mm-hmm. is unacceptable. So I did some research. She's like, cause she's like, what are we going to do? We're two <laughs> broke single moms. How are we right. going to help people? And I said, Look, with, with full-time jobs, by the way. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I said, you know what, if we can figure out how to pay our own bills, we can help other people as well. So as we did some research in our particular area within the Inland Empire of Southern California, There are a lot of breast cancer organizations and they do wonderful things. They can give you a wig. They can have you on a, you know, at a support group, Uh, education, free mammograms, but nobody pays your bills. Uh And I said, that's what we're going to do. We're not going to replace them. We're going to fill in the gaps. So we're not going to do all the stuff they do. We're going to fill in the gaps. I just spoke it to some colleagues at work. Uh, One of my best friends at work at the time was like a brother. And he said, what do you need to get started? I said, I got to incorporate. He goes, what's the cost? I go, I think it's about 200 bucks with legal zoom. He goes, no problem. He sent me $200 bills and said, go, go make it happen. Oh God. And I know there are good people out there. Oh, so my family just surrounded us with the love and support. The three aunts on my show that you listen to Mm -hmm. all of the family, the friends, Everybody just did all the things to make it happen. And here we are eight years later. That's fabulous. Now, you and Christina? Christina, uh, yes. Christina, so you you started this together. Mm-hmm. And so 
she is obviously not a cancer survivor. No, correct? but she helped take care of me. Yeah, she helped take care of you. So she was your caregiver and really helped, you know, one of your many caregivers and helped you get through this process. Mm-hmm. What, like you guys are both working full-time jobs. How did you, you see, so you started the foundation and looking for donors and sponsors is is hard. Like, I mean, yes, you had your friend who gave you $200, but you know, how do you, how do you get the rest of the money? Because you know, nonprofits are, you have to have money to, to give out. <laughs> you do. You do. So I have worked for my company, my full-time job for 21 years, and I've worked mm-hmm. from home for 20. And so I, that's how I was able to keep most of my income. My I worked through mm-hmm. chemo. I was back at work six days after mastectomy. Um, I just worked from my bed. And mm-hmm. every moment I wasn't working my regular job, I was working the care project from my bedroom I was I created social media accounts, which has been crucial to getting the word out that we even exist. Mm-hmm. And then finding collaborations with other companies that maybe give us in-kind donations, but just them sharing about us got the word out. So uh, little by little, it just built up steam from me running my mouth. <laughs> it's, what <I'm, laughs> it's what I do best. So I just worked at, you know, Christina is sort of on the back end of things when, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, when I say I need this. She goes, okay, well, then you got to do that. And I go, okay, you know, and, and we make it happen. Um, you, need, you need to cre- create a person and a logistics person. Absolutely. Because your, your brains just mesh well together. I have right. my mentor at Breast Friends. She has since retired, but she is, we share a brain cell. Like, yeah. you know, she's the big picture creative person and I'm the one who gets all the shit done. Yeah. I mean, she, yeah, you know. Yeah. You, you are yeah. my Christina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, but because I'm the one that's in the space and I made friends with all my doctors, mm-hmm. my radiation therapists, everybody. And so it, I started telling them like, this is what I'm doing. And they were like, oh, and they saw how I dealt with it in my own way. And so as they would have new patients diagnosed, they would say, you need to reach out to my patient. She started this little organization and then it just snowballed and mm-hmm. And eventually we were able to open our first office. And now my very first client is my own one and only part-time paid independent contractor who runs the office because mm-hmm. I still work full-time. Yeah. I do not take a salary and we didn't start paying her until this past year. But that's amazing that you, yeah. you have someone who has the heart to serve that long. Um, in our organization, we all started off as volunteers and we're, we're all very part-time, but mm-hmm. you have to have the heart to serve and to give back because people like you and I have been through something that just is so crappy. Mm-hmm. You, you got to take it and, and run with it. And for me, like I, I love to talk. So finding, finding a way that talking can you know, help give back to people and mm-hmm. just let others know out there that you're not alone. Right. You know, you are not the only one um, listening to your some of your past episodes recently. And I listened to the your one year anniversary that you do with Chris, which was a super fun show, just kind of like snippets like, oh, we did this and we did this. But no matter where you are in your diagnosis, whether you're stage one or stage four, you still hear the words you have cancer. That's it. And it just it makes such a complete shift in your brain that it is so important to have organizations like yours and the one I work for out there to really give the support that's necessary. Um, So I know you do, you do financial support. So is it like Mm -hmm. gift cards and different things like that? How does that work for for TCP? It started out that way. Um, That was one of the ways, um, you know, like when you said, how'd you get the money to do it? Event at, at initially, excuse me, initially, 
I just put the word out, you know, hey, Target or Walmart or something like that, those types of gift Mm -hmm. cards would be fantastic because patients can get everything from groceries to diapers because we know there's a lot more younger people being diagnosed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so people started giving me them, giving me gift cards that had been given to them that they weren't going to use. Right. And Mm -hmm. so then it turned into, hey, we need to actually help these people pay their bills. And so we started by paying electric bills and, you know, utilities, yep. um, partial rent. You know, if someone was just short, uh, you know, a hundred or $200 on rent, we could step in and pay that. Um, so it, it, we really help with co-pays, mm-hmm. groceries, utilities, rental assistance, um, the everyday necessities that become luxuries when you're not working full time. Hundred percent. Now I know you're based in Riverside, so Inland Empire, California. Do you contain your support to that specific area? Not entirely. So because we are run exclusively on donations and grants, our financial support is limited to this area for the most part. Okay. Um, the only people I will say that we have helped outside of this area um, financially has been male patients because there's so few. So yep, I think definitely. we've had five over the mm-hmm. last eight years that we've helped in some way, shape or form financially. Uh, but our financial support is generally limited to this area. Our mm-hmm. emotional support through um, the podcast, if you will, and education yep. obviously is a worldwide reach. Mm-hmm. I do have a collaboration with Lymphedivas Divas for compression sleeves. Yes, I keep seeing you on Instagram. And I was like, this is my latest one here. I love that. And I was like, I I messaged him like, hey, Carrie, is that you in the lymphedema ad? You're looking hot, lady. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, lymphedivas.com. They're incredible. Uh, Started by a breast cancer survivor. And and now she's passed, but her brother runs it. So they have given me a supply of sleeves. And then I'm able to purchase at a discount. Mm -hmm. And I actually ship these worldwide, male and female, anybody who needs them because of breast cancer. I love so, that. So, yeah, it's, you know. I will say it again, but tell the website for, for the organization so people can find it when they're interested in either the sleeves or the emotional and educational support or if they're local in that area. So, what's that right. website? Thecareprojectinc.org. Yep. Okay. I, I typed it in last night and I forgot the ink and I was like, what's yeah. going on? Yeah. Thecareprojectinc.org. So let's move on to your, obviously you are also a podcast host um, because we're talking sisters um, and you, and you have a book. So I was looking at the timing and it looks like literally they both launched at the same time, but what, what, what idea came first? How did these come about? So the book came first and it actually was the brainchild of a friend and two-time survivor and established author, Margaret Lesh. Margaret came to me um, probably a year prior and said, hey, Steve and I, that's her husband, have been trying to rack our brains on a way to give back to the CARE Project. But financially, we just aren't able to give right now. They've got a son in college. Mm -hmm. She goes, you know how in our survivor socials, which is our monthly gatherings, we always Mm -hmm. talk about kind of what not to say and things like that, right? And we always say, I wish you write a book. She goes, here's the deal. We're going to write a book. And I was like, what do you mean we are going to write a book? Not me. And I have a lot on my plate already. How do I, how do I fit this in? Yeah. So she gave me a whole legit proposal. She's like, Steve's a graphic designer. He's going to do the layout. He's going to do the cover. He's going to do the back. He's going to ask for our input, but we've got to trust him. I was like, done. She said, I want to name it handle with care or your support group in a book. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay. And so, um, 
she said that the premise is going to be, I will interview 10 other survivors, and then you and I will also give our input on various aspects. Mm -hmm. So it'll be a handbook that as patients come through the care project, you can give it to them. And when people contact us and go, hey, someone I know is just diagnosed, what should I get them? Here's a book, right? And 100% of the proceeds benefit the care project. So none of us take any money from it. And so it's it's a book where you can literally uh, skip to the chapter typed chemotherapy and hear mm-hmm. 10 different or 12 different perspectives from people from very different walks of life, different faiths, different, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. And um, the one caveat was I made her include Brett Miller, who's the co-founder of the Male Breast Cancer Coalition nice. and was diagnosed at age 24. So there's a male perspective as well. Mm-hmm. So that's how that came about. And then the book or the podcast that just came after <laughs> my friend Chris posted, hey, is anyone thinking about a podcast? You know, I can produce it. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, you know, I had this big, bright idea and it was, you know, the Rona had just started. Yeah. And so um, I called him and I said, I'm kind of thinking about this. Can we just jump on a Zoom and talk? He's like, sure. And so <laughs> he, he laughs and jokes and says, yeah, about seven days later, she had like seven episodes recorded. <laughs> you know, I didn't have any of this equipment. I didn't have my studio. Mm-hmm. I had my laptop and some cheap little headphones for work. Mm-hmm. And that's um, how we recorded the first few episodes. And then we built the thing. And here we are a year later. And the rest is history. The rest is history. So I listeners, if you haven't started to listen yet, obviously search for it because Carrie is awesome on there. And as I was just mentioning, I just listened to their year anniversary episode and a few of them really touched my heart. And one of them I wanted to ask you about was um, Deshaun and Jenny. So can you, it's, I just got the chills. (laughs) Oh, well, I did listening to it and um, tell us a little bit about that episode because it seems like you have such personal connections with a lot of your guests I do. and you're able to tell their story with such heart. So, yeah, I'm probably going to cry now. Thanks, Michelle. Sorry, uh, you know, early Deshaun, morning cry. <laughs> yeah. Deshaun Heiler is a basketball player. And like I mentioned earlier, uh, I was the booster president at North High mm-hmm. School here in Riverside and for the girls program, but I also help with the, the boys program. And Deshaun was one of those kids. His mom, Jenny, was going through triple negative breast cancer. Oh, and triple negative is a fucking bitch. Excuse yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. It's, absolutely. Sorry. And so <laughs> I, our mutual friend and my primary care doc, Dr. Angela Martin, we all work snack bar together and all that. And she mm-hmm. says, you know, Jenny's really private about it, but I think, you know, it'd be good for her to talk to you. So fast forward, Jenny was a very private person, but she did allow me to kind of help her in some ways. And um, she was a researcher. She did, um, you know, she took it, whatever the doctor said, and then she went and got three opinions and did her own research. And unfortunately, cancer just took her life. And um, she was a single mom. Mm-hmm. And um, Deshaun had lost his father the year before. Mm. And he never really had a relationship with his father. He knew of him, but they had just connected maybe a year or so before his passing. Mm -hmm. Then he passed. So that was sort of a blow, but at least he got to meet him and then meet all the family on that side. And then Jenny just went down. And so here's this kid and I have just watched him just um, forge forward Mm -hmm. for his mom. And he just starred on Last Chance University on Netflix, and now a season two is coming out, and he is thriving all for her. I love that. And you you were saying how you actually were able to be there 
very and had been texting her literally the day she passed and i just yeah. i can't i just wanted to talk about really because you went through your experience you you knew what she needed and you were able to be there with her and for deshawn and i i just think that's something so amazing especially in the breast cancer community because once we find someone that needs our help we're there 100 percent. absolutely and just, Absolutely. I was just love hearing yeah. his story it's, that it's with quite an honor, it's quite an honor it, when someone I asks you to, mm-hmm. to come to their bedside and they are literally hours from death and yet they're surrounded by family, but they call you and ask you to come because she knew you got it. She knew I got it. And mm-hmm. I was able to give her some reassurance hours before she passed that, you know, she was second guessing a lot of her, her treatment choices. And I just looked at her and I said, stop, just stop. Did you not have a piece about all the choices you made when you made them? And she looked at me and she said, yeah, but I said, no, no buts. Did you have a piece about those choices? And she said, I did. I said, then your work is done. Yeah. And she just sobbed. And I looked at her sister and I said, get Deshaun home. And she passed Mm -hmm. that night. Yeah. And that's one thing I just, I had an end of life therapist on last week Mm -hmm. and about giving people who are dying, the compassion to, to pass how they want to, and to make sure yes. they say all the things and you were that person for her. And it's just, yeah, it's an amazing, it's an honor really it is to an honor. be able to be that person and, you know, be, res- you know, responsible, but to really let that person say, okay, I'm ready. And, you know, thank you and watch over my son and all of those things. So, right. God, Carrie, we could talk all day, but we're going to take another break. Yeah. So <laughs> listeners stay with us and we'll be back. <laughs> Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444. Or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. I'm Michelle Beck, and my guest that I'm talking with today is Carrie Madrid from The Care Project. Now, Carrie, before the break, we were just talking about 
one of your episodes that obviously was very personal to you and affected you emotionally, but I know that you also like to have a lot of fun on your shows Absolutely. because like we say, if, if we can't, if we're not laughing, we're crying. So we better fucking laugh. That's it. <laughs> Excuse my French. Um, but I know you do a series called whining with care. And I listened to one with where you had your aunties on. So tell me about that. Cause <laughs> I totally want to steal that idea. Like, I, you know, I would name it something else, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So what ended So I love wine. I love mm-hmm. wine. I love to wine taste. Um, I don't drink it often, but when I do, I, I just love to experience it. And so um, I realized like a huge portion of a huge part of me doing the podcast was to give patients and caregivers and family members a safe space to just keep it real. Right. Yep. It doesn't have to always be, Oh, just stay positive And you look on the bright side and it's like, fuck that. Sometimes we need to just vent. Right. Mm-hmm. So the premise was let's have a whining with care episode where three or four of us will sit around wine tasting and whining. So <laughs> you now have permission to whine because your friends and your family are saying, oh, just think positive and don't put that in the atmosphere. And, blah. and you're, you're so strong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I have a choice. I don't right? have a freaking choice. <laughs> right. So you get the premise behind the show. Oh, yeah. So it started out. I happened to have two metastatic patients on the first time and they just let it rip. And it was fantastic because it isn't just a bitch session. It's also a, hey, what would have been better is if they said this or they did that. And what ended up happening is people listened to the show and wrote to me and said, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And I've said that a million times. I'll never say that again. And I was like, awesome, let's do it again. Mm -hmm. And so I reach out to wine companies. They send me bottles of wine and we sit around and promote their wine and taste it and talk about it. And it has been my favorite series to do. And then, of course, um, my dad has three sisters. Mm-hmm. Two out of the three have been diagnosed with breast cancer, one before me, one after me uh, that I helped take care of. Mm-hmm. And so the four of us, or yeah, four of us got on and did a show not long ago. And it was probably one of my favorites because we all have a sixth sense of humor. Like oh, you would fit in our family. Yeah, perfect. totally, right? You were like, yes. <laughs> I'll join in via Zoom on the next one. Yeah, that's how we all met great. because yeah. they're they're all in different areas from me. Mm-hmm. So we met on Zoom. I wish I could have had them in the office. Oh gosh, that would have been great. Yeah, you would have been there all day and been we like would have been, it would have been like a marathon. <laughs> Trying to do your regular job, like I'm a little tipsy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna need <laughs> off today, boss. Yeah. But it's it's just been a great episode for I think, you know, it gives them that space again to let off, but then also we're 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 still educating people. Mm-hmm. Right. And so. I, I think that's what that's what we do as podcast hosts. And you're doing it in so many ways as well. But just trying to give hope, inspiration and education, because there's, you know, so many people out there who, whether they've been through it or not, it's still trying to give them knowledge like, OK, I've I've been through this, but wow, I didn't know about that. And like you, I'm having next week, my guest on is a, um, a PT who specializes in lymphedema. So we're doing mm-hmm. that episode. So. I think, I it's, think too, it's also giving them permission. Like you and I both give people permission to feel their feelings mm-hmm. and to not just stuff it and to realize like it's okay. And it's, it's normal to not be okay for a time. It's normal to feel depressed at the end of treatment when everyone thinks you should be ringing the bell and ecstatic. Right. So mm-hmm. we give them that, that permission along with the, the enlightenment of our own experiences. I think it's invaluable. Yeah, they're in, like you said, survivorship, the time after treatment, 
is hard. Yep. And for, for many, it's just as hard as, as actual treatment because you are let loose into the universe yeah. and your, your medical team, no matter how amazing they are like, okay, you're done with treatment. Now you're like, okay, but, w- yeah. but what, what now I have aches and pains and yeah. I have anxiety mm-hmm. and I have fear. What, what am I supposed to do now? Right. So that's why one of the reasons I so wanted you on the show today, because I love highlighting people, women, people like you who actually take crappy situations and say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to help others. Yeah. And that takes a very strong person. So, you know, kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you. And a lot of wine. hundred <laughs> percent. I, I, I mostly go to vodka because red wine now, it just does not agree with my, I have two glasses and I'm like, wake up the next day wanting to die. Yeah. I miss those college days. 100%. <laughs> I didn't have all those because I was a mother at 18. Oh, yeah. Oh, so now yes, that yeah. I'm 50, I'm like, I see those memes on Instagram that mm-hmm. are like, hey, if you see me out, you know, wiling out like I'm 20, don't judge me. I was a mom <laughs> in my 20s. Now I'm going to do all the things I didn't do. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wasn't a mom till I was 39. So nice. I definitely enjoyed my my college years and my 20s. And now it's like, oh, I can barely drink plus my damn medication. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, there's that. There's a whole, that's a whole nother episode. Yeah. Tamoxifen and AIs, the silent pains in my bones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not on any of those. Yeah. I'm on the 10 year journey because I've had it twice. So they're like, yeah, you, you need to be I'm on the meds. I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be. I, unfortunately, I wasn't able to, to tolerate them. I literally couldn't tolerate them. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. winging it right now. And but you I encourage what? everyone to take them if you can, but if you can't, you know. But you know what? Thank you for saying that because yeah. it is such a personal decision. Absolutely. And especially now when they're changing the recommendations from five years to 10 years, can you tolerate this for 10 years? Quality of life versus mm-hmm. the, the potential. And, you know, that's a big decision. I'm, I'm coming up on my five-year mark and I struggle with it. But yeah. since I've had it twice, I do have a family history. Yep. Um, for me, I'm like, okay, well, plus I also have a 10-year-old son. Yep. Like I need to ensure that I am here longer. So Absolutely. I will suffer the suckiness to be alive. Absolutely. You know, and you know, I do whine about it a lot. Like, oh God, my hands hurt. My feet hurt. The hot flash. Uh, hey, that's it. That's, that's the next whining with episode. We're going to talk about AIs. Oh God. I'll literally. Okay. Uh, I Sorry. literally, I have had, I've tried to, I was on Tamoxifen for four years and then I've done XMSDane and Letrozole and I've done all of them. They all suck. Yeah. Um, I take a, I take a one month break every couple years because okay. my body needs it. And, um, we're, we're, we were supposed to go in August and I fractured my back. And so now in December, we're going to Florida. My sister bought a condo there and we're surprising my son and taking him to Disney world for a week. Aww. But I told my doctor, I'm like, look, I need to be able to function and walk. Need to be able to walk. I need to be able to walk seven miles a day. So I'm yeah. taking a month off the meds. He's like, okay. So good. Patients out there, be your own advocate. Talk Absolutely. to your doctors, figure your shit out because no one else will do it for you. That's it. Mic drop. That's it. Figure your own shit out. <laughs> I'm just going to take all these quotes from today's episode yeah, and start we're gonna posting make t-shirts. them. We should start making t-shirts. I like, oh, I like that. I, yeah. yeah. So many things I want to do. It's not enough time. Um, so what do you, what do you want to do with TCP for the future? Where do you want it to go? You know, I love the fact that we are like the little engine that could in our community. We are mm-hmm. literally the, the epitome of a grassroots organization. I love the personal touch 
it's very different from others around us. And mm-hmm. so the only thing that I would change is I would love to increase our monthly care club donorship. So people can of sign course. up to donate as little as 10 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. And that helps us to help patients because it's difficult. We now have an office, we have insurance, we have all the things to run a business, which I never realized I was starting it a business. All costs money. I just thought, oh, I'm going to go out and help people. You know, I didn't realize that means you're starting a business. It's all rainbows and unicorns yeah, until right? you get the bills. <laughs> right. And so for me, what I would love to see the Care Project be able to do is instead of, you know, helping you with $200 towards your rent is to say, you know what, you're going to have chemo for three months. We're going to take care of your rent for three months, or we can take care of one month in full mm-hmm. versus filling in, um, you know, taking care of your utility bill for the duration of your time in chemo versus just a little bit towards your bill so it doesn't get cut off. Mm-hmm. We're sort of band-aiding bills at this point. I'd love to be able to go in and really help people to get through. Um, because like I mentioned before, a lot of people don't have the availability of credit. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, what I, I would love to do. Yeah, I'm very fortunate that I had family support mm-hmm. because when I, when my husband and I got married, we were both working full-time jobs, you know, we we're making money, we we're fine. But then I decided to be a stay-at-home mom and I, you know, I going from a decent salary to nothing, um, you know, for my side of it was rough. Thankfully, I had family support because I got diagnosed in December. So I hit my out-of-pocket maximum in December. And then again in January when I actually had my surgery. So literally like $10,000 like that. And so I thank God I had my grandmother who was able to help at the time because, you know, who has $10,000 just sitting in the bank in case you get cancer? Very few people. Very few people. Yeah. I would say anyone who's listening to this, if you can get Aflac and a cancer plan, do it. Yeah. And you're always, you're all thinking, oh, well, I don't need it because you don't know it is worth every penny. Absolutely. If if I, that was definitely one of the things, if I only knew then, um, yeah, because, you know, we can't get shit now. Well, as soon as you hit five years from your last active treatment, you can get an Aflac cancer plan. Mm-hmm. So as that, soon as I hit five years from my last treatment, I got one right away. I think I pay $40 a month and I'm like, okay with that. 100% worth it. Yeah. Yes. I, I somehow, man, I have an accidental life insurance plan, but I can't get any other life insurance yet. So six okay. months away from that. Yeah. yeah. So, so many, so many tips and tools. I know. Um, do you have other tip? We, we, uh, my mentor, her big, her big phrase was tips and tools. So do you have other than, you know, Affleck, um, literally I'm just having a like, woo, cancer moment. Yeah. What, what else do you have? Like words of wisdom for people out there who are just getting diagnosed? Well, just getting diagnosed. I say, you know, what we touched on earlier is have somebody to go with you to appointments that is, that can be non-emotional, somebody mm-hmm. that can really keep it together, take great notes, record your appointments, ask your doctor, Hey, do you mind if I audio record this? Cause I'm probably not going to remember this later. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever heard of a doctor saying no. That's a great idea. Like I've, is, I've taken notebooks, but the audio recording is a hundred percent better. Yeah. Because how many times do you scratch down a word thinking, oh, that'll jog my memory. And then it doesn't. Right. I can't even read my own writing. Right. <laughs> well, there's especially that. When, especially when I'm emotional. Yeah. I'm just like, you know, scribbling. So. Yeah. And I say, seek out, seek out others who've been there, done that, whether it's a Facebook group or um, a local organization in your area. Find a group, even at the very beginning of diagnosis, because like I have patients come through the project that go, oh my gosh, I was just diagnosed and they said this, this, and this. And then we sit down as fellow survivors and go, Mm -hmm. do you know exactly what that means? 
Okay, let me tell you what that means. And did he mention this or did she mention that? And if not, here's a list of questions we would suggest that you ask. And when you get those answers, we'll help you decipher that. That is invaluable. Mm -hmm. And here is our book, which gives you all of the things to to think about and to know and to question because no one has the same path, but we're, you know, we're all in the same race, essentially. And if, you know, helping others to get through this really hard time is so important. And honestly, I don't, I don't know what else I would be doing with my life now. It, it just- I say cancer saved my life. People think that's dramatic. They think that's cliche. It's not. If you mm-hmm. knew me, if you really knew me, you would know this has given me purpose. This has given me so much more than I could have gotten with any college education that I never got. You know what I mean? I mean, seriously. Mm-hmm. And for me, giving back, it isn't just about me filling a void and helping others. It This has been therapeutic for me. Mm-hmm. And I know because of my experience with Jenny and others that I know I'm supposed to do end of life work. Yeah. So I'm working on that next. Okay. Because <laughs> I need one more thing to do. Yeah. I'm going to hook you up with her name is Kelly Grossclags on okay. Facebook. It's Conversations with Kelly. Okay. She's an end of life therapist. And I, I want her to be my new best friend along with you. Um, okay. That is my favorite thing about the yeah. podcast is literally I'm meeting people from all over the States, but I actually had a, a talk with... Um, a woman in Australia the other day, mm-hmm. she runs something called foundation 96. Okay. She connects patients with, um, not caregivers, um, practitioners for all of the after treatment stuff. She's going to be on in a few months. So awesome. I, I think this is just such an amazing way to give information and education and, and hopefully a little laughter. Um, Absolutely. Laughter we, and lip gloss, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my motto. I laughter and lip gloss. Yeah. That is amazing. So Carrie, God, we're almost out of time. Tell everybody again, all of the, the social media, the book, the podcast, all, all the things. Yeah. So the website for the care project is the careprojectinc.org and you can access the podcast and the book there. A hundred percent of the proceeds for that book do go to the care project. So that helps keep us in business. Um, you can find me personally on Instagram under TCP founder. We also have the business page, the care project Inc. And now we're on TikTok, also the care project. I just heard about that. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for the TikTok Girl, revolution. I didn't want to do the TikTok either. <laughs> I, look, I'm old when I say the TikTok, like the book, right? Well, it's the like Facebook. the 405. <laughs> but let me tell you something. I have, yeah, I have met so many incredible people. And if you're trying to reach a younger generation. Yeah, that's the way TikTok to go. TikTok is the way to go. And there are so many young patients that are going through cancer experiences that can benefit from people like you and my, you and, and me and our experiences. Okay. You've talked me into it. Yeah. Everyone look for me on TikTok. I never liked pink. I'll eventually get there. Yeah. Anyway, Carrie, thank you so much for being here today. I just, I'm so glad we got to do this and um, you're fabulous. So I, thank you. I hope thank anyone you. in Inland Empire, California, find the care project. Carrie thank will help you. you. But locally, if you or your family and friends need our services here in Portland, Oregon, you can reach out to breastfriends.org. You can make a donation on our website or by texting BF radio to 41444. And remember, we'll be back next week and we rise by lifting each other. Thanks everyone. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to breast friends, cancer support network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.